Good morning, church. How are you doing today? Good. Hey, well, my name, as I've already been introduced, my name is Jason Powell, and I'm the pastor of Jesus City Church in downtown Montgomery. It's a brand new little church plant, and I'm so thankful, you know, just for the Von Forest team inviting me to come out and be a part of this morning. And so I've got a guest speaker at my church in downtown. We're on Dexter Avenue, right next to Martin Luther King Jr.'s church. And let me tell you, it's a church that looks like heaven, you know, every tongue, every race, every background. And uh, I moved out here from California, you know, and so I'm like, for you military, it's like I PCS'd out here. And uh, my wife and family, you know, so no friends and no family. We came out here by faith to start a church. And so it has been incredible. We've been out here. The church is almost two years old now. And so I have been so thankful for, you know, just partnering ministries and just blessings. Other brothers are around the city that have been so kind. And uh, your pastor that just left, he was a good brother to me, great friend. And so, hey, I am glad to be with you today. So we're going to get in God's word. Do you have your Bible today? Yeah, okay, that's a yes. All right, open up your Bible. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, I'll give you a little bit more about me in just one second. But the title of my message this morning is Proximity Matters to God. Proximity Matters to God. The idea here is simple. There are a lot of things in life that you can be distanced from, and it doesn't really matter. There aren't deep implications to it. But when it comes to your relationship with God, it should be as close as possible. Uh, It matters. You can't have a long-distance relationship with Jesus. He wants to be close. He wants to be near, and that really matters to him. Now, if we even pause and think about all of the, the technologies and all of the advancements that have been made recently, we can do a lot of things from a distance. Like, some of you can work from a distance, right? We work remotely, and you've got to make that difficult decision on a daily basis. Like, do I wear my night PJs or my day PJs, you know, as I work from home? And so you get the blessing of, you know, getting on Zoom and you've got like, you know, different pants on, you know, it doesn't matter. You're all, you know, dressed up from the hip up, you know what I mean? But uh, down, it's like downstairs, hey, you know, whatever. But uh, we can work remotely and because of technology, that's fine. We can send our kids to school remotely. I've got homeschool at home, you know, my 12-year-old, my 5-year-old. It's like we're doing school remotely, and you can watch the little things online, and man, what a blessing technology is, but you can even go to the doctor remotely. Teladoc is a thing. You can lay in bed, be like, doctor, tell me what's wrong with me, right? You, there are so many things that we can do effectively from a distance. You can shop from home. You know, all of you Amazon moms, right? Like, I've got boxes of stuff that my wife keeps buying. You know, I've got a good relationship with my UPS driver. His name's Joe. And uh, Joe just came to Jesus City this past week. And I'm like, Joe, okay, now for the first time, I see you at church instead of my house. But, uh, you know, we're building relationships. Listen to all the things we have today. We've got Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, cloud technology. We've got medical delivery drones, autopilot, cars and new chat GPT AI that will do your homework for you, right? Like we've got technology that enables you to detach and be at a distance where you don't have to do it like you've always done it. Now, as this continues to grow, there will be something that never changes, and that is your proximity to God. You can do all of these things from a distance, but please don't allow your relationship with Jesus Christ to ever be at a distance. You know, there are some things that you can't 
do at a distance. One of them is eat, right? You can watch all of your cooking shows, uh, but there's nothing else like taking a good bite of a burger, right? Like a good cookie, you know, like crumble cookie just opened up off of Zelda Road. And it's like, there's nothing like a hot, you know, crumble cookie uh, down there. Can't do that from a distance. You can't work out from a distance. You know, I live in downtown Montgomery and, you know, we bought one of those houses that needed a lot of work. And in front of my house is the marathon route that a lot of, you know, different like events take place. And so I'll sit out there with my cup of coffee and I'll watch everybody run and they're burning calories for me. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, hey, you know, but you can't work out from a distance. You have to do it. You have to be a part of it. You can't have a relationship with, a, with God from a distance. Proximity matters. Today, what I'm noticing is that a lot of people want a full-time God with part-time work. They want, they want God to do it all and they don't want to do very much at all. People are drifting from their relationship with Jesus. Is that where you're at today? I don't know where you're at in your relationship with God, but I bet you there might be just a few of you that God's not as close as you would like him to be. Can you remember the days that you were on fire with Jesus? where it seemed like you were hearing his voice and you were experiencing him, where your Bible reading was like exciting and your prayer life, God was answering. Do you remember those days? Like what happened? What happened to those days that you were on fire with the Lord? I wonder what, what changed. Was it a job? Was it the kids? Was it schooling? Was it, well, what excuse is it? What have we allowed to distance ourselves from the Lord? It remember, reminds me of that old husband and wife. You know, they gotten old and crusty and they were riding in their car and, you know, kind of gripey towards each other. And they looked out ahead and they saw an old truck up ahead and they could tell that there was a, a guy driving and there was like a, looked like somebody almost sitting on his lap, you know? And so as they got a little closer, they realized, oh, you know, it's a, it's a young couple in love, you know, it's a bench seat and she's sitting right there almost on his lap, you know, like you remember those days, couples, don't you? You can't wait to hold their hand and you get butterfly sensation like, ooh, we in love. And uh, the, the wife, she looks at the couple in the car and she's just like, oh, look at them, they're in love. Honey, what happened to us? That used to be us. And he's like, well, I'm still driving. You're the one that's moved. That's often what happens in our relationship with God. God has never moved. God has been there. But somewhere along the line, we lost that sweet relationship with the Lord, that, that heart aflame for him. And we moved to the passenger seat. Today, what we're going to look at is a guy that moved not away, but closer to Jesus. And in turn, Jesus moved closer to him. I'm hoping my goal today is that we would walk away knowing God a little bit more and having a desire in our hearts to really spend time with him. That's where real change happens. That's where real things in life take place is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I'm hoping from this story, the guy named Zacchaeus, Everybody knows the name Zacchaeus. We know the children's songs and the nursery rhymes. It's a big story about a little guy, Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19. There's a lot to learn, but I'm hoping God strikes our heart today. Are you there in Luke 19? I'm going to read it. This is what it says. He entered Jericho. This is Jesus, by the way, and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. If the Bible tells you you're short, 
it's not a good thing, you know? Like, of all the things to be remembered as, he would be remembered as short. You know, it's like, man. It's like the guy in the Old Testament named Eglon. They called him very fat. It's like, man, I don't want to be, don't, don't write that about me in the Bible. But uh, Zacchaeus, he's very short, okay? So short in stature. So he ran on ahead, verse 4, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest with a man who's a sinner. That's the crowd. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he's also the son of Abraham. Verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. All right, pausing there. Let me open in a word of prayer as we consider the text today. God, as we open your word, I ask you to speak to our hearts. Lord, your word is able to change lives. It's able to transform minds. And so I ask right now that your voice would be heard, that, Lord, your presence would be felt, that we would leave this place knowing that we've met with you. And so, God, I thank you for today, everybody here in the sanctuary and all of those that are online watching. Lord, I pray you'd impact us in a real way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, four points this morning that we can learn from Zacchaeus on how me and you can get closer to Jesus Christ. So Zacchaeus, this little guy, he didn't let anything hold him back from Jesus, but rather he made an effort instead of excuses. We live in a world of excuses, but Zacchaeus, he said, no, I'm going to get close to that guy, even if I have to climb a tree to do it. So point one this morning is Jesus knows where to find you, and he calls you by name. You know, that last verse, verse 10, tells us the mission of Jesus. You are familiar with it. Everybody knows. The Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Why did Jesus come? He came on a rescue mission, right? Like he's like a lifeguard saving, you know, drowning people. Jesus came to save lost people. And Jesus always uh, is on that mission. He came cross-cultural missionary, the greatest one of all time from heaven to earth, to go after lost people. Now, when I look at Zacchaeus, he found Zacchaeus in a tree. I don't know the last time that you were in a tree, uh, but it's kind of random, right? Like, Jesus found a guy in a tree. Like that, if you were just like walking down the street, down your, where you live, and you just randomly saw a guy up in a tree, it would be a little weird. You know, like, oh, what are you doing? You know, if you're not up there trimming your tree, that's kind of strange. Weirdo. You know, but that, that's Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus is in a tree. I think about what Jesus did to get a hold of Zacchaeus and all of the other stories in the Bible of where we see Jesus going out of his way to get a hold of people. Look at verse 1. It says that, speaking of Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Jericho, despite what we know about the walls of Jericho come tumbling down with Joshua, the story in the Old Testament, Jericho's not a desirable place, all right? It's really not. I've been there twice, and it's it's a really bad spot. I mean, it, you're going to get shot, okay, when you're going through Jericho. Like, we're told by the tour guides, like, don't get out of the bus, don't make eye contact. You know, it's not a good location. And I'm sure it was not much different, you know, in Jesus' time. But nonetheless, Jesus takes a detour on his way to Jerusalem through Jericho. Now, 
this was a strategic move on Jesus's behalf. I think Jesus had a divine appointment with a guy in a tree. Now, think of all of the other obscure places that Jesus met people. Like, think about it, you Bible scholars. Remember that woman at the well in John 4, where it says that there was a woman all by herself by this well, and Jesus went out there to go find her? Jesus goes out of his way to encounter a woman who's in obscurity? Or what about that guy that was by the tombs? Remember when Jesus got in the boat, and he goes out, and there's a guy that's demon-possessed. It says that he's cutting himself, and he's crying out, and people can't tie him down, and you know, the psychologists have given up on the guy, right? Like, this is a, a guy that nobody wanted to be around, but Jesus goes out of his way to find him. And he's in the tombs, and he's ready to die, but Jesus encounters that guy. What about Pontius Pilate's wife? You remember when she had a dream? Jesus showed up to her in a dream, and she told Pilate, have nothing to do with this guy. Like, Jesus goes out of his way to show up in a dream to Pontius Pilate's wife? And think about some of the other ones. The thief on the cross. I don't think it was by accident that Jesus got crucified on the day he was crucified. I think he had a divine appointment with a guy next to him that soon met him in paradise or even Saul on the road to Damascus. Remember Saul, he's riding his horse and Jesus shows up and falls off his horse and he goes blind. Jesus goes out of his way to encounter these people. This morning, I want to remind you, Jesus knows where you're at and he calls you by name. Jesus is coming after you. He came after these people and I think there are even some of you in the room today that if you were able to share your story, you're able to let people know you were able to come up on stage and be like, hey, Jesus found me in a bar. Jesus found me at the bottom. Jesus found me in the gutter. Jesus found me on drugs. Jesus found me maybe deployed or in a divorce. Or, you know, you, you were able to say the different places where Jesus came and found you. You know where he found me? I was working out in a gym and somebody came up to me. I was 19. I'm from California, right? Like, so I'm from the land of fruits and nuts. And uh, it's true. And so, so I'm Southern California, just outside of LA. And you know what? I was a pagan. Like I was a raw pagan. Like I didn't go to church. We went to church when somebody died or they got married. Okay. We're not even like your CEOs, Christmas and Easter onlys. I'm not even that, you know, like, so I'm working out in a gym and somebody says, Hey, you should come to church with them. I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to come. I'm like, wait, are there cute girls? They're like, yes. I'm like, I'm coming to church. And so I went to church for the cute girls, but I heard the gospel. You know, the guy was up there and he preached the gospel and I got saved and my life got radically transformed in a moment. Jesus found me in a gym. Where did he find you? I, I'm promising you this. There's no place you could ever go where Jesus will not find you. Sometimes we think that the only place Jesus finds people is in church. It's not. There's a lot more times in the gospels that Jesus found people outside of the temple than in the temple. So we need to kind of just like widen our theology a little bit and say, you know what? Maybe Jesus isn't just bound in this, this building. He's not just only located here. You know, it's, it's a lot more than that, that Jesus is going after lost people. I think about maybe some of you um, in places that you would not even want to mention where Jesus found you. I think uh, just not too long ago, my wife and I were in downtown Montgomery where we live and we're going on our little daily walks. And as we walk outside, there is a broken down Camaro, like two doors down. And this thing was 
this was this Camaro was in rough shape, right? And there were these two guys that got out, and they looked pretty rough guys, you know? Like, and as we get a little closer, the car has like some puffs of marijuana coming out of it, and I'm like, Montgomery, you know, here we go. And so I walk up and I jump on the car and I start doing mechanic work, helping this guy with his car. And my wife was with me, and so she starts witnessing to the guy, and it's amazing what happened. You know, I don't think it was by accident that God brought that car. He's like, Yeah, we coasted all the way here, and this is as far as we got. And I'm like, Well, you almost made it to my house, right? God could have not gotten any better. I think God loves you, man. He's after you. And my wife, about 15 minutes into it, I'm seeing her witness to this guy. And she, she's talking with him and encouraging him. And about 15 minutes later, what do I see out of the corner of my eye? This guy bowing his head, ask Jesus Christ to come into his life and forgive him of his sin. And it's like, you know, that's a divine appointment. That's, that's what Jesus does is he's ever at work. And, you know, there are no wrong phone numbers when you get a missed call. There's no, like he is ever at work giving you opportunity to be a light for him in these dark places. He is always going out of his way to find you. And I'm telling you this morning, he's out to find you though, you personally. He loves you that much. He's after you. He found Zacchaeus in a tree. I think he's coming after you too. But not only does he know where to find you, he also knows your name. I like verse five because it's pretty amazing if you just kind of like tease it out a little bit. When Jesus came to that place, verse five, can you picture the scene? Jesus walks in the Jericho. Crowds are around him. He's like trying to decide where to go. And it says when he came to that place. So now he walks all the way up to the tree that Zacchaeus is in. And then it says in verse five, when he came to that place, he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, hurry down for I must stay at your house today. He knew the guy's name. Like, does that not strike anybody that like if somebody walked up to you and you don't know them, but they knew your name? It means something. So Zacchaeus is up in the tree like a little squirrel, you know, like his little robes on because he's a chief tax collector. So he's all, you know, suited and booted for his day's work. And he's up there and Jesus walks up. And he's like, Zacchaeus. He's like, oh man, how do you know my name? This is interesting. Your name is one of the most personal things about you. And Jesus knew his name. Jesus knows your name. It says in John 10, 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known by my own. Jesus not only knows where you're at this morning, but he knows your name meaning he knows the most intimate things about you. He knows what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your marriage, what's going on in your heart, what's the stresses, the anxieties, the worries. He knows everything about you and he's coming to find you. That's how much he loves you. He's like, I know you and I still want you. Other people don't know, but I know and I'm calling you by name. You know, when someone is lost in the woods, we often go out, a child or an adult, and as we walk into the woods, we would yell their name. And here Jesus calls out his name, Zacchaeus. So it doesn't matter where you're at, how dark, how high, how low, he's after you. The second thing I think I see in the text this morning, second point, is that when Jesus draws near, don't let anything hold you back from him. So there is Zacchaeus. He hears his name called, and he does something in response. When Jesus draws near to you, you shouldn't let anything hold you back. Nothing. There's no excuse worthy. We should give in 100%. So when he comes near, we should respond. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 55. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, for he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. In a world of excuses, people give excuses all the time. Excuses to get out of work, you know, my car broke down, or I don't feel well. Uh, Recently, not recently, a few years ago, I had a guy that was working for me, and he didn't show up to work in the morning. He didn't call. He didn't text. And I'm like, where's this dude at? About lunchtime, I get a phone call, and I can hear some music in the background, and I recognize the music. We're Southern California. Disneyland's right around the corner. And I'm like, where are you at? He's like, man, me and my wife went to Disneyland. I'm like, you better get your old Disney to work right now. You know, you're going to get fired, bro. Um, But people give excuses all the time about work, about, you know, traffic tickets. I didn't see the sign posted. We, we make up excuses even with God. Why we don't have time for God, that Jesus has done everything to come close to you. He's broken down every barrier, every wall. He wants to come close to you, but yet we make excuses. Man, I'm so busy. I got, I don't got any time for Jesus. My work, I've got overtime, my children, we've got sports. You name the excuses. We so often give them. But that's not what I see Zacchaeus doing. Zacchaeus did not make an excuse. He made an effort. Like I see verse 3. Look at verse 3. It says, And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. In the Greek, it means more than a physical seeking. It means like there's something deep within his bones, something within his heart that's longing to see more of Jesus. He's heard of Jesus, but now he's like, man, I need to get close to this guy. Jesus came into my city. I need to get close to him. So Zacchaeus is wanting to get close. And here are three things that he could have used as an excuse as to why he didn't get close. One would be his status and his position. Look at what it says in verse 2 about Zacchaeus. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Status. I know a lot of people that their job, their status, their position, who they are holds them back from God. They're like, oh, no, no, you know, it's not something I want to associate with. I know a lot of people that, that are in every, you know, field out there, including the military. There's a lot on the line. Like, I don't know my status. I don't know if I can associate with him. You know, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was rich. So not only did he have status, but I mean, he had a lot in his pockets and it's because he was stealing people's money. You know, this was a guy like original mob boss of, you know, of Israel. This guy, he's out there with his hands in people's pockets. Like he has his own LLC, his own lawyer. And he's, you know, he's just taking, he's like Robin Hood, but he's doing it the opposite way. He's taking the money. And uh, so he could have said, you know what? No, I'm not going to go see Jesus. Status, his wealth, Is that holding you back? Is that holding you back from the Lord? What about his experience with the crowd? Look at verse 3 again. He could have allowed the crowd to not let him get close. Verse 3, it says, And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not. Now, I don't even like a line at Chick-fil-A. You know, like if I drive, I'm like, oh, we're not going to Chick-fil-A. The line's too long, you know, or even at some other location in town, you know, lines bother me. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to stand in line. I'm looking for the shortest line in the store, you know, like Publix. I'm like, praise God, they finally put in the self-checkout so I can get there faster. You know, like it is pedal to the metal. You know, I'm doing as fast as I can. Zacchaeus could have pulled back because of the crowd. He could have been like, oh man, the line's wrapped around the building. Like, I'll see Jesus another time. 
Have you allowed the crowds to determine your relationship with God? Let me encourage you for a moment. Don't ever allow the crowd uh, to determine your proximity to God. Meaning, there are times that the crowd will tell you what to do or what not to do. You cannot blame anybody on the final day of judgment when you stand before God all alone, all by yourself, and look into his eyes, and you have to give an account for your life. I don't care what your husband or your wife does, or, or what your family does, or what they believe, or how often they go to church, or you know, what your job tells you to do. Do not draw your cues about your relationship with God from the crowds. Don't do it. Be like, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You want to go with me or not? I'm going. You know, your wife is like, hey, I don't care if my husband doesn't go. I'm going to go. Husband, I don't care if my wife doesn't want to go. I'm going to go. Like, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray and I'm going to honor the Lord with my life. It's funny because if Zacchaeus would have allowed the crowd to push him or hold him back, it was only just a little bit later that the crowd turned on him, right? The crowd just a little bit later started grumbling and griping like, oh no, Jesus is eating with the sinner. Like they all turned on him in the end. It's like, listen, when I got right with Jesus Christ, I remember I was running with a, a bunch of just, just heathens. I'm, I'm these non-believers who were partying together and doing everything wrong together. The second I got saved, I immediately had to decide, am I, am I with the Lord or am I, am I with them? And I quickly saw who my real friends were. Like, they all deserted me. You know, nobody came after me. I remember going to the final party I was at, and somebody handed me an alcoholic drink, and I'm walking around, playing a little pool, and I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, for the very first time in my life, and I just, I, I was holding this drink, and I'm looking around, and I'm looking at the eyes of everybody in this room, and I'm like, they don't have what I have. There's something in me right now. And as I looked around, I just saw empty people. I remember putting the drink down, walking out, getting in my truck, and driving away. Not one person texted me or called me or checked up on me. None of them even know. And I never went back. It's like my life immediately changed. I realized I need Jesus more than I need them. Don't let the crowd determine. He could have done that. Or he could have allowed his personal shortcomings to hold him back from Jesus. Look at the end of verse 3. Kind of funny. It says, verse 3, he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. You know, Zacchaeus was one of life's invisible people. He, uh, you know, it's not easy being short, you know, and Jews typically by nature are a little bit shorter, but he was shorter than the rest. And he had probably heard all of the short jokes of his day, you know, like, Zacchaeus, you should be a rabbi because all of your sermons will be short. You know, like they, they probably mocked him a little bit. Zacchaeus, you should play baseball. You'd be good. Short stop. There it is. These are the jokes, people. Come on, right? Like his favorite food was strawberry. Shortcake, yeah. Miniature golf was just golf, you know? Like this is Zacchaeus. He's... He's a guy, like he, you know, how do short people wave? They microwave. Um, he could have allowed his shortcomings to hold him back, but he didn't. I bring this up because too often I hear people give me what they've been through, things they've experienced, hardships and difficulties and attacks and like, oh, I can't get near God. You know, don't you know what's happened to me? And look at my family. Look at the way that I was raised and look what I've had to deal with. And they blame these things in their life as to why they're not getting close to the Lord. It doesn't work. Zacchaeus is like, I don't care what it takes. I know I'm short. I can't get on that guy's shoulders. So I'm going to get in a tree. Like he did no matter what, no matter what it took, he was going to see, get close to Jesus. Jesus. 
And you need to do the exact same thing. Let go of everything in your life that's holding you back from the Lord. Get close to the Lord. This is the most important thing in life. Nothing's more important than this. You need Jesus like I do daily. Like th- this is it. Like it's not even about this building or necessarily this church. Like it's not like God is upstairs like, you know, like, hey, good job. You went to that building today. It's like, no. Like do you really know Jesus Christ? Have a relationship with him. Is your heart surrendered to him? He wants to get close to you. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Jesus came close. And Zacchaeus said, I gotta get close. I gotta get my eyes on him. It says in Hebrews 3.12, beware brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of disbelief or unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 15, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of the rebellion. Oh, we need to take inventory of our hearts. What's holding us back from getting right with the Lord? You know, Zacchaeus didn't let anything do this. He drew near to God. And this is, again, what it takes. What are we doing to prioritize God in our life? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter rich, poor, young, old, black, white, with others or all alone. What are you doing to get close to the Lord today? Do it, friends. You must make a move toward him. Point three, a relationship with Jesus is best formed in the secret place. So here's the progression of the item. They're in public. Jesus walks in. Zacchaeus hears about it, climbs up in a tree. Jesus walks near to him. And Jesus says there in verse five and six, look what Jesus says. He says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to them, Zacchaeus, Hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried, and he came down, and he received him joyfully. A relationship with Jesus is best formed in the secret place. I like it that Jesus said, you know what, let's get around, let's get away from all the crowds, and and I want to go to your house. Come on, bro, I'm eating dinner at your house tonight. You know, like, you got to cook some chicken, smoke it, drop it, whatever you got to do. Like, you better, we're, we're eating tonight at your house. And Zacchaeus was not expecting any dinner guests, so it's not like he anticipated it, but almost like a little gymnast, you can see him up in the tree, and he like, you know, swings down, and he gets down there, hops down. With excitement in his heart, Zacchaeus leads the way to his house. Like, okay, like I've got Jesus at my house tonight. This is incredible. And Jesus wants to do the same with you, though. He's, he's ever trying to pull you away uh, to be alone with him. It often says that the disciples were pulled away to the secluded places and the quiet places, and they spent time alone with the Lord, and he wants to do that with you. Don't let anything hold you back, and know this, that when you do get alone with God, that's where your relationship is best formed. That's where real change takes place. Every relationship in our life takes work. You know that. Your friendships, you know, your, your marriage, your maybe dating relationships. Every relationship takes work, including our relationship with God. And so the effort you put in, it really does matter. God doesn't want a long-distance relationship. He wants to be with you daily. I think about Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. The Lord wants to dine with you. He wants to sit with you. Like what have you done in your life to create an environment for the Lord? You know, for me, it's just my morning time. I got to get up before the rest of the family. So I'm up really early and I sneak downstairs and I get my coffee and it's me and the Lord time. 
For those of you that are early birds, do that. If you're a night owl, okay, then stay up late at night. But nonetheless, you need to do something. Have you been missing out with time with the Lord? He's waiting for you to get there. This is where it's all best formed. You know, I like verse 7, by the way, because we find out from the crowd just what type of person Jesus hangs out with. Sometimes, sometimes I have come across it pastorally that people are afraid to spend time with the Lord because of sin in their life. Like, oh man, you know, and I've heard this said from my old pastor in California, Greg Laurie, it's either that sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. And, and I know in my own life, there's been times that I've messed things up. I've made some bad decisions and I felt distance from the Lord. I'm like, oh, he doesn't want, want me to, to come close and I feel distance from the Lord. But look at verse seven. We find out just what type of savior he is. It says, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And that's exactly right. Jesus did go and be the guest of a sinner, a tax collector. Think about all of the riffraff that Jesus hanged out with, like the prostitutes and the harlots and, you know, the tax collectors. Like he was with like the, man, the salt of the earth type people. He was very little inside the temple when everybody looked pretty and wore their Sunday best. Like he was out there on the streets. And so I can tell you this, one of the most comforting things that's said about my Jesus is that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I'm a sinner and he's my friend. It's a blessing. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how dirty, how dark. He'll be your friend and he wants to meet you in the secret space. He will invade your sin and your space. He will come in and that's why point number four, he will do something about it. Point four, as we close out this morning, no one can have a personal relationship with Jesus and stay the same. Let me say it again. Nobody can have a personal relationship with Jesus and actually stay the same. You can't be the same way. If you are the same way that you've always been, there's a problem in your relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you. You know, like think about it. If you were to walk outside and stand on Bond Road and get hit by a car, you're not gonna be the same, okay? There's gonna be something changed about you. Uh, you know, you probably end up in the hospital. Uh, if you come into contact with the God of all creation, you're going to be changed, there's something about you that will change. So when people tell me, oh, I've been a Christian my whole life. You know, I was born on the pew. And, uh, but you're the same person you've always been. You're still struggling the same way. You're still drinking and smoking and doing everything else you've always done. If you're the same person you've always been, you're not a Christian. You're not. Jesus catches his fish and then he cleans his fish. Like he's gonna clean up your life. I just think about in the rear view mirror of my life and I am definitely a different person than the person I used to be. Smoking and drinking and doing everything wrong. It's like the moment I got saved, my eyes get open for the first time and I realize I don't even want to do those things anymore. I don't even desire to do those things anymore. There was something that changed in me. My, my affections for God have completely overwhelmed my desire for everything else. You know, over at Jesus City, you know, we, again, we're downtown and we've got an amazing relationship with a lot of the people down on the street and, you know, in downtown Montgomery, being on Dexter, next door to Chris's Hot Dogs, you know? Like, I know all of the people off the street and there's this guy down there and uh, his name's Randy, you know, and he's like, he's been struggling, but he's gave his life to Christ. But, you know, he's like, he has a hard time with drugs and he's like, man, I need Jesus. He's like, I need the most high so I don't want to get high. I'm like, I like that, Randy. That's really good. You know, like, but it's true. When you replace God with your addictions, there's something that changes. 
No one can know Jesus and stay the same. Verse 8 is my proof of that. Verse 8, we've got a greedy tax collector that encounters Jesus in a private space. And verse verse 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Zacchaeus, the mob boss taking people's money, encounters Jesus in the private, and now immediately he's starting to give things away. He's like, I'll give it away. He's like, man, what just happened here? I will restore it fourfold. If I've defrauded anybody, if I've taken anything, I'm going to start. And that's what happens. When you come into contact with Jesus, there's things about you that change. Things that adjust. New eyesight, new desires. These are evidences. Jesus says you will know a tree by its fruit. A good tree gives good fruit. And there should be fruit from your life. That's evidence that you are planted in the streams of water next to the Lord. This, this is it. This is a beautiful thing here. Let me tell you, you cannot encounter Jesus and be the same. You can go to AA class. You can go to rehabs. You can go to counseling sessions and be the same. But you can't encounter the Lord and stay the same. Zacchaeus, what a great example this morning. Proximity matters to God. He wants to be close to you. Zacchaeus was found by Jesus in a tree. It was just a little bit later that Jesus went up a tree himself and died Calvary's cross, died on that tree to purchase the salvation for Zacchaeus and for me and you. This morning, if you're far from God, you need to come home to the Lord today. If you feel distant from the Lord, I think you need to recommit your life to Christ today. I'm going to close in a word of prayer, invite the band to come back up, and I'm only just going to close in prayer, but also give you an opportunity in the quietness of your own heart to get right with the Lord this morning. So let me close in a word of prayer. God, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for just the story of Zacchaeus, that you found him in a tree and transformed his life. God, I know this morning there are people here that can be found by you. God, I ask that if there's someone here today that is not in the right relationship with you. Maybe, Lord, they've walked away or they've moved over. God, I pray that you would draw them to yourself, that you would call them by name, that you would remind them of who you are and what what you've done for them. And so, Lord, I pray again, if there's someone here that's far from you, would you bring them home to you? With their head bowed and eyes closed and Christians are praying this morning, if you're not right with the Lord, but you want to get right with Jesus, Maybe even you've walked away from God. I just want you in the quietness of your own heart. Do you know who you are? You feel that tug of the Holy Spirit at this moment. I just want you right now in the quietness of your own heart to pray a prayer with me. That you would get right with God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask that if you, you want the Lord, you desire to get right with him, I'm going to ask that you would pray this with me now where we are going to get right with God together. So if that's you, Would you pray this with me now? It's dear Jesus. I believe in you. That you came, you lived a perfect life, and then you died on the cross. Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. That you would wash it away. That you would help me come close to you. I believe that you are God. I believe that you are who I need. And so today I come to you. Thank you for dying for me 
in my place. Would you fill me with your spirit? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, for all of you that just prayed with me, I know the pastor is going to say just a few words for you, but hey, thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. I love you guys. God bless you. And we're going to stand right now. We're going to worship the Lord as we go our way.